Welcome to the fortnightly Peters McGregor Global Investing Podcast. Our aim is to keep abreast of market developments, provide our views on a range of companies and investing topics, and explain how we're positioning our portfolio. Please be aware that this podcast is intended to provide general information only, and that all forms of investing involves risk of capital loss. Make sure to do your own due diligence and seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Our topic today is an interesting one, uncovering value in holding companies. My name is Alex Haynes, Head of Distribution at Peters McGregor. With me today is Nathan Bella, Head of Research. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks, Alex. Nathan, firstly, what are holding companies? So I don't know that this is the legal definition of a holding company, but the way I think of it in terms of practically investing is that it's normally a company that has an interest in a different uh, bunch of different businesses. Uh, so that might be a direct shareholding in a listed business. Um, it might be an unlisted business. But the point is these holding companies uh, generally have a lot of variable interests and your job is then to tally up what the value of them and work out whether it's cheap or not. So I guess to explore that a little bit further, as an investor, what do you see as the non-negotiables you need to understand before looking to buy a holding company? Yeah, so historically, holding companies have typically traded at a discount to their underlying assets. There can be different reasons for this. I tend to think of um, something that Australian investors will, will know well is listed investment companies. They're a little bit like that because essentially what you do with a listed investment company is you buy essentially a ready-made portfolio. The difference between um, the holding companies that we own is that they're not just owning a portfolio of ASX-listed stocks. Um, They've got interest in a lot of different businesses. Uh, Usually there'll be some sort of theme to them. Often it's uh, they're founder-led or there's uh, people in there that have got um, expertise in certain industries. So it's somewhat rarer to find a holding company that's got interest in a whole different um, bunch of business in different industries. And what we've seen historically is conglomerates are probably something that uh, anyone who followed the 80s boom and bust in Australia will know um, the names like Bond and Scase, who built up these highly leveraged conglomerate business with lots of variant, lots of variant interests. And in the end, uh, there was too much debt and they all fell apart. What we're seeing more recently in the US is that any sort of conglomerate, and we're seeing with General Electric at the moment, which is the share price has halved recently, is that they're starting to sell off bits and pieces and you're getting a lot of activist investors putting a lot of pressure on the board and management to separate the different parts of the business. And the reason they do that, um, some of you may have listened to our, our most recent podcast where we discussed this, but often what happens when you take uh, one division and separate it from the parent business is that both of them will get a higher multiple and, and the reasons are different. Uh, one, the parent multiple because the business becomes simpler and the market can then value it different, uh, more easily, um, often gets a higher multiple. So simple tends to mean higher multiple and obviously activists like to get in there, shake it up and earn a short-term profit, which can be very profitable in a short period of time because you don't actually need to do very much um, Tell the accountants inside the business that they don't need to do much and they'll disagree. But, um, but then the, the offshoot often gets its own management and for the first time has its own board, independent board, and, and it has access to its own balance sheet so it doesn't have to fight any other managers within the larger business um, to make investments and all of a sudden you find that two or three years in um, the business has done extremely well and it was you wonder why it didn't do so well when it was part of the bigger parent. Um, the reason is simply it just didn't get the resources or the management time. In a previous podcast, Nathan, on IPOs, you talked about applying a three-year rule when looking at those 
what what would be sort of a couple of sort of tricks and traps that investors need to think about when looking at these holding companies? So we own a lot of holding companies in our current portfolio. Uh, they're all international and none of them are local. Uh, I use the example of listed investment companies and the one thing I think people don't pay enough attention to is the fees in the structure. Now, the difference between the LIC and holding companies is that you don't have to pay fees in these holding companies. These are just, in a sense, normal businesses. But what you do have to look at is who's in control of them and what are management paying themselves. Because essentially, if they're holding all these interests in other businesses and they're not actually doing very much, then why would you want to pay them a lot of money? And you've got to be very careful in the US because a lot more options get paid uh, in the US and in Australia typically. So I understand the incentives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the second thing is some of the holding companies can be quite tricky and they actually do need a lot of work. They can be complicated and they can be complicated sometimes deliberately by management. It's, it's another reason um, they actually trade at a discount most of the time because um, it's not easy to pull these things apart and there's often a bunch of assets, liabilities, tax liabilities that are extremely complicated and because the market can't really get to grips with them with certainty, uh, the holding companies typically trade at a discount. Peters McGregor owns NASPERS, which is a prominent global internet and entertainment holding company. Nathan, what's it especially known for? So NASPERS is famous in the investment world for potentially making the greatest investment ever. Uh, there's a company called Tencent in China. Uh, their app in China is it's like having the internet within the internet. So once you're in the app, you don't really need to leave. Uh, WeChat is their famous uh, mobile messaging service. Uh, basically, every Chinese person is on there. So you've got a customer base of a billion people. Uh, some have multiple accounts. Businesses have accounts. And uh, there's some crazy statistics. I think one of them is that 400 million Chinese people spend up to four hours per day on the app. Um, now, interestingly, Tencent actually doesn't make all its money from the app. It actually makes uh, most of its money from online and PC gaming. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. This is a $500 billion business, US billion dollar business. And last quarter, uh, it grew revenue at 50% and grew its bottom line at something like 60%. Uh, I've never seen growth rates for a business of that size uh, like that in my life, and I'm not sure if I ever will again. Uh, so it's an absolutely phenomenal business. And what NASPERS is famous for, NASPERS is a South African listed business or holding company, and it makes internet investments. And what it did was make an investment in NASPERS, uh, must have been about a decade ago, and it's for a one-third stake in Tencent, it paid US $37 million. And today that stake is worth somewhere around US $160, $170 billion. So if you do the internal rate of return on that, it's something quite phenomenal. Um, and just to give you a little bit more detail, uh, the stock currently trades at around a 45% discount to its ownership in Tencent alone. And if you do a net asset value, uh, estimate of what the entire company's worth. It has other investments in other internet properties around the world, and that's only about 5% of the business. So in a sense, you're getting $0.10 cent for almost half price and another 5% of additional goodies. So I guess, Nathan, it, it begs the question, what would be, need to be the catalyst for the discount to close out? Like what would you know allow the market to you know, to, to, to get more confidence in Aspen's. Yeah, there's a couple of reasons why we believe uh, a lot of other investors are, uh, aren't buying or the stock and aren't closing the discount. One is it's listed in South Africa and it's not generally a jurisdiction that people want to invest in. The currency can be quite volatile and the country itself is not the most stable in the world. 
there's also people are unclear about the tax um, that, that, that NASPERS would have to pay when it sells stock in Tencent. Now, our belief is that this, the tax will be minimal. Uh, the company has said it's going to come out in June uh, and clarify this, and we believe this is a big part of the discount. And aside from that, um, a couple of things that might close the discount. One, I think the tax situation, if that was cleared up, I think that would help. Uh, another thing is that management have actually been uh, cited as poor go- governance, as poor, poor governors of the shareholders' interest in NASPERS, uh, which is, in a sense, quite incredible. They've made this amazing investment, which is uh, amazingly, uh, NASPERS is the largest company in South Africa by quite a long way, simply because of this 10-cent investment. But if you look at the other investments they've made, they haven't worked out anywhere near as well as Tencent. So uh, a lot of people think that they shouldn't be paying themselves as well as what they are. Uh, So anything on that front, uh, management hasn't really done a lot on that front. Um, They've said that uh, a big buyback uh, would be another way that management could close the gap if they wanted to. They recently announced they're selling 2% of their Tencent holding, which is obviously very small. Uh, We'll see what the tax consequences of that are soon. Uh, but a massive, if they sold a lot of 10 cent shares, didn't have to pay a lot of tax and use that money to buy back shares at this huge discount, I think that would help close it. But management at the moment uh, want to keep growing. They believe in their 10 cent holding. They've actually agreed they won't sell any more shares. I think it's for the next two years with 10 cent. And they want uh, their other internet investments to continue on um, rather than having to liquidate them currently. Although they recently just done a deal to sell their flip cut. Uh, investment in Flipkart is uh, essentially the Amazon of, of India, which has been sold to Walmart. Mm. So, and I, I guess you've got a long way to answering this, but again, sort of what would you need to see happen for Peters McGregor to realise its position in Aspers? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, so one, I've talked about how the discount could close. So any new information on any of those aspects uh, would be good news. And if we got what we thought was a fair value, then we'll just sell on valuation grounds. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what the discount should be. If you look at holding companies through history, uh, that even they do they do typically trade a discount in the way LICs do because of the um, of sometimes underperformance, but also they deserve to trade a discount because of the fees that you have to pay. Um, the other big thing uh, that would really, in a sense, make this a, a bad investment would be if Tencent is way overvalued, and actually it turns out that the discount is actually uh, putting a fair price on Tencent. Uh, now, we previously owned Tencent and we sold out it, uh, luckily enough, right at the top and it's come down a bit uh, since. Um, but if, if it turned out, we, don't, we believe Tencent is somewhere near fairly valued currently, but if it turned out that was worth half what it was and the discount closed on that basis, uh, we might sell, on, again, on valuation grounds. But I think what's happening here is it's not that people are saying Tencent is worth half um, or nearly half on what its current value is. I think it's just that for all those other reasons I talked about, management uh, issues, incentives, poor governance, um, South African listed, uh, there's all these warts on the stock, if you like, but uh, we don't necessarily know when or how the discount's going to close, but when we're being compensated for taking what we think is very low risk, um, if you have a portfolio you know, of 20 ideas like this, you know you're going to do well over time. Mm. Nathan, uh, thank you for that and, and going through the detail on NASPERS. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Please feel free to share this podcast with anyone else who might be interested in, in this topic. If you have further questions, please email them to service at petersmcgregor.com.